Right now, it does feel like a pretty starkly divided world. Uh, Heartless free market economics, authoritarian populism, a liberalism that still seems to say, after all of these years, if it feels good, do it. So is there an alternative? The British MP Danny Kruger thinks he's found another way. It's based partly on his work with churches and charities that help young people at risk and prisoners. His new book is called Covenant, The New Politics of Home, Neighbourhood and Nation. He joined me from Wilshire in beautiful south rural England. I think the social contract is a good idea and it refers to an important principle, which is that there's a understanding, a mutual understanding between citizens and the state, and each has a role to play. But I think the problem with the contract as a sort of unifying idea for a society is that it implies that this relationship is sort of expedient. It's just in your interests and it's transactional and has the implication you can kind of withdraw from it, which, I mean, of course, you can't in practice. A covenant, which is an older idea, is that we are bound together, whether we like it or not, by the fact of our relationships. And so I talk about home, neighborhood, nation. These are the institutions, the associations that give us meaning, give us security, and ultimately give us freedom as well. And of course, you can detach from your home and your neighborhood and your nation. You can break the covenants that connect you with those things. But ultimately, you always belong to them. You always have a deeper connection with them. And I think it's more helpful for us to think of ourselves as covenanted rather than contracted beings with an enduring set of obligations to each other that transcend the purely selfish transactions that are implied by a contract. Many of the great uh, political reform movements have grown out of crises. Yours is an ambitious idea, Danny. What is the crisis that you diagnose in Britain, but most probably in Australia as well? Yes, I think the whole world is in deep peril. There are huge opportunities which we should be rightly optimistic about, and I actually do genuinely think that there's so much good that we can do together in this century using technology. But technology is creating all sorts of great dangers as well. And in addition to which, we have a crisis of cultural disarray. We've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten the ideas that sustain a healthy community. And that's what I'm talking about, the ideas of the covenant. So I think the combination of threats that we are based by, and just thinking about the UK at the moment, war in Europe, huge financial and economic peril at the moment. We have deep problems in our public finances, in the model of public services that we deliver. But more profoundly, we have a social crisis with endemic rates of ill health and mental ill health, loneliness, depression, anxiety, young people growing up without a clear sense of who they are or how they fit into the world, mm. old people being neglected. I mean, these are problems across the West. They're not specific to us. And then you add layer on the, the wider sort of structural challenges of what might happen if technology failed. 20th century crises of nuclear threat remain very real. And then we have new problems of ecological disaster pending. All the things that people get worried about, I think, are real. We do need to have a sense of how to fix them. And, and, I, and I actually believe the 21st century could be a time of great prosperity, greater equality, greater freedom, opportunity for all, and peace. 
But we need to get our ideas right. Yeah. And I think our ideas at the moment are very wrong. Well, as I read this really interesting book and I see you talking about the way that we have despoiled nature and the, the gross economic inequality, especially after the global financial crisis, you mentioned there the crisis of loneliness and the breakdown of social solidarity. Danny, in some ways, why is this different to a speech that I might hear by the uh, the American Democratic Socialist Senator uh, uh, Bernie Sanders? I mean, what does it say about the sort of new politics? Uh, because in many ways, you are speaking to the same themes. Well, listen, my diagnosis is quite similar to that made by the left. It's also similar to that made by the libertarian right. I mean, we had a episode you might have noticed when Liz Truss became prime minister over here for about 45 days. She came in on, a, I think, a very powerful diagnosis that chimed with the Conservative Party around what's wrong with the country, what's wrong with our economy and our society. It's very similar to that made by the left, which is that our structures and our culture are misaligned and we have all sorts of deep problems, hangovers from the 20th century that haven't really caught up with the, the world we live in today. Obviously, the proposals that Liz made on one side and that the hard left make on the other are very different. But the diagnosis, I think, is recognisable. You know, huge problems of productivity, problems of social breakdown. So I, I think we can all more or less agree with the problem. What do we do about it? It differs. And I differ from both of those with what you might call a third way or a different path, which is about the importance of these social organizations, homes, you know, the family, the community and the nation, none of which are really fit into the sort of political economy of the hard left or the libertarian right, both yeah. of which are more concerned with the social contract. They interpret it differently, but they have a more sort of mechanistic vision of society than mine, which is much more organic, much more focused on human relationships and on the traditions which sustain a healthy society. Yeah, I should add, though, uh, when you say a third way, you're not talking about the third way, an idea that I think has had its day. You have this concept of the idea with a capital I and the order with a capital O. I want to just switch them around. First of all, what is the order with a capital O that you think has been undermined? or even destroyed? Well, a conservative would recognise it because we're talking about the institutions and the habits that has sustained Western society over the centuries. And it's the combination of the rule of law, a strong civil society and an independent private sector, and a set of national institutions which are both ceremonial, which kind of sustain the idea of the nation, but also effective. They're the repository of power and authority in the land. So the order is a diffuse set of institutions and habits and traditions and, and values which would be recognisable to you know a Western person 200 years ago as they are to us today. They are, I mean, I think founded in a, ultimately a Judeo-Christian idea that we live not for ourselves but for others. We are an object of worship, namely God, which is outside ourselves. So whether you believe in God or not, the orientation of our culture is to look beyond the self. Mm. And these institutions and habits grew up, evolved over the course of time in the West, thanks largely to the principle of the rule of law and the nation state, and have been uniquely successful, both in terms of generating prosperity for our nations, but also in terms of preserving liberty and enabling individuals to flourish. That's the order. The culprit, though, is the idea with a capital I. And what is this idea that you think has been so corrosive of social solidarity? The idea has its 
source, its core, is the principle that the object of worship, the God of your life, is yourself. And that's, of course, a very old idea. It's, it's, it's the kind of the original mistake that people have committed. And we're all very, very susceptible to this mistake. In modern times, and you can say that was started with the Enlightenment or it started in the 60s or it started the other day, you can trace it back to different stages. But it's essentially a very modern phenomenon that we've actually made this mistake, this idea of self-worship into the governing principle of our society. We said the purpose of a person's life is to realize their own individual uniqueness and to be as glorious as they can be. And the purpose of politics, the functions of the state and of wider society, should be to liberate individuals as completely as possible, to give them the greatest scope for personal self-realization, which is really self-worship, rather than, according to the order, which, as I describe it, the purpose of politics was to create the conditions in which people can be good, hmm. by which I mean they can live well for others and can fit into a successful society which is, of course, the real basis of proper freedom and self-realization. But that's not what we think today. We now think that it's all about you. So the idea here is about personal liberation as the ultimate goal and so the realization of your authentic self, which I think ultimately is a mistaken object of worship. It's more than that, though. I mean, blessedly, you don't bang on about wokeness because it's such a cheap term. You instead use this phrase that you think is at the root of the problem, and that is this constant desire to be transgressive. What do you mean? We do struggle with with good language to um, define the, the problem here. And I, I think woke is becoming very established and maybe we've just got to use it, although I do think it's kind of trivial as a word. But we know what we're talking about. We're talking about a new religion that suggests your personal identity matters more than anything else and that everybody else must conform to your idea of yourself. And as I said, that the object of society is to sort of help individuals to realize the real me. Transgression is, I think, a good phrase for the problem, because to do that, to become, you know, your best self and to realize your, you know, authentic reality, that basically means overthrowing all of these institutions and habits of thought that I call the order, which between them, according to the new religion, oppress the authentic self so families are, are patriarchal and oppressive neighborhoods likewise you know stultifying conformist communities where you can't be free and nations are inherently oppressive trampling on individual uh, freedom so if you think it's all about you then naturally enough these wider institutions are going to be offensive and therefore your politics is all about transgression it's all about overthrowing or transgressing against these institutions. And I think that's what's so destructive in our culture. Doesn't it strike you that was ironic, <laughs> paradoxical, Danny, that frankly, uh, to be transgressive today, is that's de rigueur. <laughs> the real people who are transgressive might seem to be those who value tradition. Yes, it's uh, the, what we've done is flipped everything around. And I mean, I do think this is essentially religious because people have rejected traditional religions. They're putting their religious impulse into the new religion, which is we call woke or whatever, and they apply the most 17th century puritanical model of religion to their new faith. So yes, you're not allowed to think differently. We have a new set of religious tests, which people are obliged to conform to if they want to have a role in public life, all of which we, over many years, you know, liberals and radicals in the old days managed to undo. You know, we scrapped the test acts 
in this country 200 years ago because we decided that you could believe what you liked and still have a role in public life. But now you are compelled to conform. Mm. So we are, in a sense, taking a huge step backwards. The dissenters now, the people who transgress the governing orthodoxy, are the traditionalists and the conservatives. This is the Religion and Ethics Report with Andrew West. Our guest this week, the British MP and thinker Danny Kruger. We're discussing Danny's new book, Covenant, The New Politics of Home, Neighbourhood and Nation. Now, Danny, you are a a political conservative. You're also a a conservative Christian. I have to say, though, your book uh, doesn't judge or it doesn't moralise or anything like that. But you are concerned about the way that society has been been so saturated with sex, but in the wrong way. You do have a fascinating observation about the right way society should preoccupy itself with sex, but what's the wrong way? This is difficult because, you know, I really think it's none of my business how other people live their lives. And, you know, who they sleep with, live with, love is for you. It's nothing to do with me. But I also think that what I call sexual regulation, how we manage the relations between the sexes, particularly in the light of baby making, is a matter of public concern. So I think it's natural that all successful societies have kind of tried to regulate sexual relations. And the best way we've done that historically is through marriage. By privatising sex and sexual relations, by saying it's nothing to do with anybody else, we've harmed marriage itself by, by reducing it to a sort of private deal between two individuals rather than a sort of public act that justifies the support of wider society and the recognition by wider society. Mm. And the curious paradox, which I think you're getting at, is that we've ended up saturating our public culture with sex. We've sort of made it a private matter, but it's also now everywhere. Every bit of media and the public billboards, and we talk about little else. Whereas historically, we recognised it mattered to society how men and women formalise or don't formalise their relationships, because it's generally best for society if you have strong, stable couples. And that was honoured and recognised in the system culturally and and fiscally and legally but by scrapping all that we've now ended up with this sort of cult of of sex and and huge disarray and and distress i'm afraid to say i don't think sexual relations are very healthy at the moment in our countries and i think that is partly to do with us abandoning the old idea that the best place for sex is marriage the best thing for men and women to do who want to get together and to bring children up is to get married We've abandoned all of that, and I think we're in some trouble as a result. Uh, well, it, it's particularly acute because you you have a, a point that you make where you talk about this group of very desolate young men known as the incels, the involuntary celibates, uh, who are unable to find enough women who meet their artificial pornographic fantasies fed by technology. Exactly. We've developed an idea that young men should be seeking, a, I think, an unrealistic, frankly, degrading idea of sex. It's very harmful for them, even more harmful for young women, of course. There's a lot of unhappiness and actually not a lot of sex going on either. We're in this sort of porn world, as I describe it. The whole public culture is saturated with sex, imagery of sex. And yet there's more celibacy. There's more, I mean, involuntary, but there's a huge amount of people just not getting together. And we've got a crisis in our birth rate as a result. 
This book, of course, isn't just a diagnosis of a problem because you actually have some very solid ideas for improvement. Now, one of your solutions lies in an ancient Greek concept. It's spelt O-I-K-O-S, but I'm assured that it's pronounced ekos. What is the Greek concept of ekos? Oh, you've got a better pronunciation than me. I just assumed it was oikos. Uh, it's the word that we... It's, um, it's the benefit the, the, of being married to a Greek. Ah, uh, very good. Excellent. Well, it's an ancient Greek word, probably the same in modern Greek. What it means is the household. It's the derivation of economy. So traditionally, the economy was regarded as the management of the household. And of course, it still is for every, all of us. But we now have this new idea of the economy, which is all about you know national finance rather than how households are coping. And I think we need to restore the economy to the household, remember what actually is the source of our national prosperity is individuals going out and working. And how is the economy supporting households? Well, I don't think it's doing a very good job. It's impossible to sustain a family on a single wage for most people. Most couples are working two or three jobs and still struggling to make ends meet. There's a huge amount of transfer in through welfare and other and all sorts of benefits to support families and still most families in the UK are struggling I'm sure it's the same with you our economy isn't really working for households or for families anymore and in many ways we sort of try and make family life as hard as possible through the tax system and through the public support you know from childcare elder care and so on these systems tend to actually downgrade the role of the family so i think we need to modernize our economy restore the role of of the household to it that doesn't mean and it's really important to stress it doesn't mean one adult obviously most likely to be the woman having a homemaking role i think that itself is historically quite anomalous it was it was only a few brief decade or two in the mid 20th century when that was possible or, or seen as an admirable model actually historically women were crucial to the economy but the economy was more local in the old days. And I think it could be again. And I think that's the, one of the opportunities that technology brings us. We can all have, men and women would want this, a career or a job that is closer to home that enables us to balance our responsibilities to our families, to our neighborhoods, you know, playing a good role in your community mm. and have a fulfilling, well-paid job. I think that's the new economy that I hope technology can help bring us. Uh, yeah, you write that you do not want to return to a time when a, a child's future was set in stone, you know, a boy following his his father into the same trade or craft. But yeah. how then do you give people the right to shape their own destiny, which you want to do, but also centre neighbourhood and locality? I think that is our great challenge. I think it's a really exciting one that we should put our all our energies into. So you know, the world we want, I think, is one where you don't have to move far away to a distant city in order to have a fulfilling career. It should be possible to have the life you want in the place you love, as um, one of my colleagues, Michael Gove, often says. I think that's a really good framing for it. And the new economy that's emerging, where there's greater productivity in local places and greater opportunities for young people. So in Wiltshire, where I represent, a rural part of southern England, you know, we export our young people. We send them off to university and they don't come back. They will, if they're ambitious and, and capable, they'll drift to the big cities. And that's understandable. But I would like more young people to be staying in Wiltshire or going away to study and then returning, maybe starting their career in the city, but coming back to Wiltshire 
I'd like us to be attracting other young people, young families to come and live in our area and take part in the what could be a and is in pockets a really thriving part of the global economy. But you have a more rooted, more local, more settled life in a beautiful part of the countryside. You're using a market town rather than a big city and you're playing a proper role in your community. And I think that is the vision that I think could resonate with people. And as I said, it feels like both an old idea and one that is made possible by the new economy. It's been terrific to speak with you. Danny Kruger, he's a British member of the House of Commons, a Conservative MP. We've been discussing Danny's latest book, Covenant, The New Politics of Home, Neighbourhood and Nation. Thanks for joining us on the Religion and Ethics Report, Danny. My great pleasure. Thank you. ABC RN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.